Welcome into Texans All Access on a Tuesday, wrapped up the player show. And Tavier Thomas, he actually spoke to the media today and talked about his experience at the Astros game. Welcome in, Drew Doherty, Mark Vandermeer. Hello. As well. I know the Astros World Series is in the books, the parade's in the books, but uh, several of our players got to enjoy that World Series run. And You know what? I didn't know. It. I didn't know they weren't going to do speeches at the parade. I didn't find out till after the parade because I was here working. So I was like, I you were not at the parade. I was not at the parade. <laughs> but I heard that they didn't do speeches, and I thought, that's really interesting. And that probably takes a lot of pressure off the players to be exciting and say something meaningful. Although, look, at that event, you could say, hey, and everyone's happy, right? I've been like, at events like that. I feel like once the you've bar's done, low, the, yeah. the bar is very, very <laughs> low. You don't have to do expected. too much. But I think that once you've done a World Series parade, you maybe maybe you go back and you say, okay, this is what we would do differently the next time. And I think people had a lot of fun. Nice. I heard Sean and Seth talking about how it was just a straight shot, and they really yeah. liked that. No turning corners, which that's a brilliant idea for a parade. Just have a street. And you just go up and down the street, and that's it. It's not confusing. Where are they turning? Where should you stand? Mm -hmm. It's just very easy, and there's no traffic jams. Anywhere. It sounds like it went off very well, and I'm sure there might have been some issues. But And you said it. It's nice when you have the experience of having one. And <laughs> The next time, yeah, this is what we're going to do. And then there will be another time and another time. I'd love to have that experience, by the way. Let's make that happen for this franchise. At least the city has experience because, what, when the Rockets won it, they shut down Richmond, right? Ooh, well, yeah. no, no, no. That was like... That was the nights of oh, like when okay. you they wanted in ninety four and then they wanted again the next year. But then they actually had parades like yesterday or yeah, yesterday downtown. Right. During the day. So think about that. So in the Richmond thing was sort of an impromptu yeah, immediate yeah. celebration. That was like what was going on on uh on the streets of downtown Saturday right. night. Yeah. So Richmond back then though, in the nineties, was a happening place, Banging. right? Banging. It was okay. crazy. I mean, <laughs> I was in high school, so I wasn't able to yeah. go to it. But yes, lots of bars, mm -hmm. lots of restaurants, lots of night nightlife. It was a good time back then. Yeah. But did kids get out of school? Because I don't even think in twenty seventeen. School's in out. 2017, oh, it's the Rockets, yeah. yeah. Were the kids? Oh, yeah, school's out for them. But I don't think in 2017, were kids out for the World Series parade? I feel like I don't my kids so. were in school. I would have known this. I would have known about this. Like they would have to skip to go to the parade. Yeah. But this year, it's like all the kids were out. And then I have a kid that doesn't drive but is in high school. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, the Metro's free, but you're not going. So because the rest of us have to work. But it was almost kind of sad. They couldn't really go. I guess you could watch it on TV. Sure. Mine, yeah. Mine were still at preschool, so I don't. So they were not sure. interested yeah. in going. They would have loved to go, but they just, I think they <laughs> yeah. saw it at school. Yeah. And also it was like 86 degrees outside. So I guess it's better than rain. That's not so. bad. When do Houstonians not complain about the weather? Does it have to be 72, perfect, well, sunny? Uh, it's then getting we cold won't. this weekend. Ooh, then, we're, then we're going to complain about the cold, I'm sure. Cold where? In New York? You're Here, talking? no, in Houston, Houston this weekend. It's cold. Oh, I haven't even looked. Yep. Really? Okay, I'll be ready. I'll, I'm going to get out my Burr. coat and my Winter boots. weather, not just fall weather. Winter, winter weather? weather? Yes. Yeah. What is this? Houston. So it's like, unbelievable. So like in the low 60s, winter in Houston. Oh, I see. Yeah. That kind of winter weather. Mm -hmm. Women get out their boots and parkas. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uggs it's weather, yes. after Halloween, so it can, anytime, just brace yourself, it could get cold. That's what I've learned in Houston. After Halloween, and then after Valentine's Day, it stays warm. Usually. That's minus oh, the really? freeze. Minus mm -hmm. the freeze. That was <laughs> Minus the one minus year where year. <laughs> we froze to death for five straight days. D yeah. Other than that, we usually stay warm. All right. Well, the Texans are back on the road again Sunday at MetLife to face the 6-2 and two New York Giants. And Texans players were back in the building today. They had a mini-buy after the Thursday night game against the Eagles. And uh, Levy Smith addressed everyone yesterday. Nico Collins and Malik Collins could return to practice this week, which oh, would be please. a big boost both offensively and defensively. 
if those guys could go. Malik would be huge. You got to stop the run. You did a better job of it in Phil- against Philadelphia than they did against the Titans. But Malik would be huge in the middle of that D. Especially with Saquon Barkley. I mean, yep. I wonder whether he's there or not. Do we see nine guys in the box? Do we see maybe ten guys in the box a time or two? Because this is, I mean, we talk all about Derrick Henry. We talk all about Jonathan Taylor. Mm. He's every bit as good as these guys. And so, you know, you might you might see, because I don't know that the Giants have the weapons that some of these other teams we've seen have outside mm. of him. So do they get a little bit more aggressive and change things up? Maybe not, judging by Lovey Smith's history, but also judging by what we've seen this year, perhaps they do. I think when perfectly healthy, Saquon Barkley, especially if you put him behind the former Colts offensive line, mm-hmm. is better than Jonathan Taylor. Sure. Mm-hmm. I believe that. Mm-hmm. Now, Jonathan Taylor's excellent. I don't want to take anything away from him, even though I guess I just did because he's a Colt. And we'll get to them, ladies and gentlemen. You're not saying he's bad. That You're just saying that's how good Barkley is. Barkley's amazing, and he's having a great season. And Daniel Jones cleaning up the turnover issues in his career. Dable's doing a terrific job. Tomorrow night, Bob Papa is going to be on the show, and he is the play-by-play voice of the Giants since 1996. And he says really great things about Dable and what he's done in the building, the way he's organized his staff, his approach, the way business ops feels about him, the way he sits at a different table for lunch every day. It's kind of like you, Drew. I know you do that. You sit with different groups at lunch just to sort That's of table does. let them get to know Drew Doherty, everybody. Right. Hello, ticketing. I'll be sitting with you today, dining. That's <laughs> Enough what about Dable's you. Doing. Let, let me talk about myself. Yes. Yeah. Get to know me. Because you have not heard my stories before. Yeah. That's, that's really funny. Well, you, you bring up the Titans. I feel like this Giants team is maybe like the Titans in the sense that Saquon Barkley, the entire offense runs through yeah. him. I mean, he leads the team in rushing yards, leads the team in receiving yards. I know Kenny Galladay's been out. Galladay's been out, and he might be back this week because he was practicing today. And then Kadarius Toney, their other wide receiver, they traded him to the Chiefs. So yeah. you've got, you know, Daniel Jones is better than what Malik Willis was when you faced the Titans the first time. But it, it just seems like if you can stop the run or at mm. least stop, slow down Saquon Barkley, you've got a good chance of of us getting up on them. It's interesting you put it that way. Everyone talks about the Bills and their playbook with Dable coming in, but you're probably better off looking at the Titans and how they organize things and looking at Jones as sort of a version of Ryan Tannehill. And Ryan Tannehill is a good runner. Right now I'm contractually obligated to mention that he's a former wide receiver. Thank you, I just did. And Jones can run like the wind. Wait, who has to, who is contractually? Uh, we, as broadcasters, every time you bring up Tannehill's running ability, you have to mention that he was a wide receiver at Texas A&M. Otherwise, you get fired <laughs> from the industry, DB. You didn't know this rule, this unwritten rule? No, I didn't, but I'll start using You're it banished. from now on. I, I, I've, I've, I've failed everybody. It's interesting to hear you say Papa saying that about Dable because it jives with everything we've seen post-games after wins from Brian Dable. He's charged up. He's going and like mingling in the stands with the fans. And yep. then well after he meets with the media and takes a shower and gets dressed in his street clothes, he's out in the parking lot smoking cigars from time to time, mingling with fans out there who are still tailgating. I mean, it's an interesting dynamic that he's got out there. He's certainly, as of right now, he's won hearts and minds. Now, what's it going to be like if they lose a bunch? That changes, obviously. But I mean, he's making all the right moves, taking all the right steps inside and outside the building right now. And he's got them rolling. I mean, this is... For a long time, it was the Blue Blood franchise, and they'd fallen yeah. on hard times since the last Super Bowl win. But uh, he's got them 
kind of on the ascension, it looks like, for right now. Great job so far. They're going to play the Eagles twice yep. down the stretch here. And, look, we're halfway through the season. This is kind of a side topic, but it's going to be really interesting to monitor what happens with these teams that are doing well right now, teams that aren't doing as well as they want. The second half of the season defines everything. I know people know that, but – the narratives that are going on now, how will they change over the next couple of months? And for this franchise included, you know, you've been in every game. Can you win some of these games? What if you start to win some games? I know people are thinking, what, really? Yes, it's possible. Make some plays in the fourth quarter. You can win. Could happen Sunday. Let's watch. Hey, those Eagles totally deserve to beat the Texans. They were better than Houston on Thursday night. No, no disputing that. But I think they're going to take some lumps here on the second half of the season coming up. Oh, I, I yeah. just don't see hmm. them. They're certainly not going to go undefeated the second half of the season, nope. but I think they're going to they're going to take some on the chin and it's going to be interesting to see, see who gives it to them. I totally felt that way watching the game. I thought, "All right, I know the Texans have some good pass rushers, Jerry Hughes among them, and they had the DB blitz with Steven Nelson knocking the ball away from Hurts and that was only their third giveaway of the season." But I thought even on the non-sack plays, even when Hurts made plays, I thought the Texans are getting pretty close here. They're spending a lot of time in the backfield, and teams that have even more pass rush are going to give them some issues. And if you get out on top of them, if a team's able to get a lead in the second half, you force them to really be on the comeback trail. I think that's really, I mean, obviously that helps your cause anyway, but against the Eagles, I'll be eager to see how they respond to those situations. Yeah. I know they were down two touchdowns to the Jags, but that was relatively early. I hope the Texans do something else again that they did toward uh, against the Eagles, which is score on their opening drive. That was yeah, no doubt. It was about it that. was it, it felt refreshing to come out with a lead early. <laughs> I mean, yes. and they were in it. They were in it for the at least the first three quarters, which they've been all year. But you know, to get down behind, to get behind early, and then have to come back. Um, it's just been like gut wrenching to watch some of those games, but to get the seven and zero lead on the Eagles. I mean, I thought that was. I, I didn't know if the Eagles were just. It was a short week. Maybe they just weren't. It's a good start. Thinking that the Texans were going to give them such – I mean, they kind of gave them a, a run for their money there. Good mix the of the pass and, ru and run. You mentioned it was refreshing. It was like a cool minty breeze. Cool minty breeze. Like, oh, Wasn't it really? A 7 nothing Taking lead. it down down the field. The big play to Dorsett to get them in a goal to go. Then they hit Quaturiano, which I'm sure the Eagles, you know, who's this guy? Who's 84? What do we do with him? Oh, my gosh, he's catching a touchdown pass against us. And then you fall behind 14-7. But that touchdown to tie it up, I said, all right, that's good. That shows fight. Right. They made it happen. Tied the game. Giants missed the field goal at the buzzer. Texans get two stops on the Eagles to start the third quarter, but the offense unable to respond. DP, it's a phenomenal point you make because that opening drive, think about it. They go nine plays. They face third down one time. Yeah. It was a third it was a and five. Drive. And they converted the third down. I mean, they just clipped up the field. Didn't have much opposition, really, the entire way. And it was... I mean, you're not going to get that a lot. You only saw basically that one time, but mm -hmm. you face third down one time in that long of a drive, you're really doing some good things. You're really moving the ball. It was it was like you said, it was a cool breeze offensively. Mm -hmm. Minty breeze. Hamilton. A cool minty, minty breeze. breeze. Yes. A cool yeah. minty breeze. And then the fact that, like, all week we talked about Jalen Hurts not turning the ball over, the Eagles protecting the ball, and then yeah. this Texans defense able to get a takeaway on him. I mean, Steven Nelson back-to-back -back weeks with a takeaway. That's I mean, the first I fumble like, of the season. The right. Eagles had not fumbled before. That is literally all I heard all week was the how they yeah. have not fumbled the ball. He's been really good at protecting the ball, and this defense can get after it. I think Jonathan Grenard has missed four games, but three of those have been while on IR. So after this game, he would be eligible to come off of IR. So maybe oh. your pass rush gets a little bit of help.
something to look for next week. Uh, um, all right, what about this Giants defense under Wink Martindale? A lot of people talk about how much they blitz with Wink Martindale. Chris Moore talked about it at the podium today because uh, he was v- very familiar with Martindale when, during their time with the Ravens. How does that affect Davis Mills and this offense on Sunday? Do you just run the ball even more than you already have been running it? We'll see. You know, Davis Mills, you, you still have to remember, I mean, he's he's in the infancy of his play calling, not just as an NFL quarterback, but still as a quarterback quarterback. He only played 11 college games, yeah. so he still is learning on the job in that respect. So maybe he's absorbed quite a bit and will do a little bit better against the Blitz. We all know he is a smart guy. Maybe it's it's going to keep uh, growing in the football sense, and he'll be able to find some things. Hearing Chris Moore talk, they sounded pretty confident that they were going to be able to deal with things, as well as A.J. Can, the offensive lineman today. So we'll see. But, yeah, you want Damian Pierce being Damian Pierce because, I mean, goodness, best game of his career was last Thursday night. Keep that rolling. Um, the Texans said that that defensive front that they played against with Philadelphia, it was familiar to them and something that they'd played against yeah. – you know, earlier in the season, and they did pretty darn well against it. So we'll see what that jives with what we see against the Giants. But, yeah, man, if you can keep Pierce going, I mean, he's he's averaging over a yard, point two more per carry than what the Texans did last year. He's at 4.6. Texans were a league-worst 3.4 per in 2021. So keep doing what you're doing. I mean, you're almost getting five yards a carry from the rookie. And, I mean, that's certainly going to – That'll take a lot of this, this, the edge off of that that blitz that uh, that New York would want to dial up. Well, you know what? You can also vote for Damian Pierce as the Pepsi Zero Sugar Rookie of the Week for Week 9. I was on NFL.com. I thought they only put rookies up after you win, but maybe you don't because Damian Pierce, maybe he's been up here before. It's the first time I just happened to glance Wait, at it. But who won ang- angry runs this week? Who won? Because I knew he was up for it again. I'll find Damian out. Pierce was up for it. Yeah, he that 36-yarder was awesome. Oh, yeah, it really was. He's got to win it eventually. Like, when is he not going to? I mean, they're going to put him up as a. Maybe they're waiting for the f- season finale or something. This well, is, uh, he might have been hurt by. I think I know Henry had a big one. But you Henry know, in the won it. Or, yeah, uh, the week before they played us. Right. Does, that, does that disqualify you from winning again? I mean, or? I. <laughs> the week nine nominees were Miles Sanders, Damian Pierce, and Cordero Patterson. Mm. So. so Sanders had one against us. Pierce, oh, Patterson won it. Patterson won it. Let's see. Yeah, because he had that bludgeoning run up the middle for a touchdown. And I get it. I do get it. Pierce is going to win it eventually. He loves Damian Pierce, so he'll find any he which does, way to but get it. But on. he has everybody else vote on it. And I feel like he's trying to lead them down the Damian Pierce uh, voting ballot, and yet they just veer off course. It's Texas every single discrimination time. again, <laughs> rearing its ugly head on Good Morning Football. Well, I, I think you're right. Kyle, Kyle um, does want them to – Kyle Brent does want them to vote for Pierce, but it's just not happening. Um, all right, as far as the wide receivers go and the tight ends, I was happy to see the tight ends get more involved. Um, it's the first time D- uh, Tegan Couturiano played in an NFL game, had one catch. It was a touchdown. Would like to see more from him. I know I think Brevin Jordan is the only tight end without a touchdown catch. Are you officially in the – the all team Quatoriano does is catch touchdowns <laughs> camp. Is For that, now we is can, we can say that. Okay. Yes. All he does is catch touchdowns a hundred percent. But he's, a, he's definitely a blocker. And first and foremost, that's going to be his job description. He'll be able to catch touchdowns, catch passes. I liken him to more of a Fedorowicz type and Fedorowicz became a good pass catcher as he evolved here. 
Let's see what Catoriano can do. This is going to be fun to follow his career this way. Brevin Jordan, you mentioned him just now. He's the only one that hasn't caught a touchdown. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because they really need more production. And it's not just a him thing. They just need more production from different pass catchers throughout the lineup, right? You get Brandon Cooks back in here. If you get Collins back in the mix, great. Good to see Dorsett step up last week. Chris Moore, two touchdowns in the last three games. Nice. Got to get more guys in the mix. You need more options for Mills. And you mentioned the blitz. Be ready for it. I know Pep Hamilton is well aware of this. Wink Martindale's a blitz-happy kind of coach. So we'll see how they handle it on Sunday. Yeah, and uh, Tegan Quatoriano, I, b- I believe after we drafted him, it was Johnny, John Harris, who said he blocked his guts out of mm-hmm. Oregon. So uh, to see, and, he, and, I, and I talked to him. He had played tight end since fourth grade. Yeah, he's a life. He's a lifer, which is unusual because often tight ends come from other places, and then <laughs> like they baseball end up tight end. or water yeah. polo. <laughs> so many other, yeah, and so many other defensive players. Water polo. Are, they've got the tight end background to them. You think about that. Whitney Merciless, J.J. Watt. Over the years, they played tight end before they came and and played uh, on the offense. Excuse me, the, de- the defensive side of the ball. But really, aside from John Mechie and Austin Deculus, who's been inactive quite a bit, that was the last of Tegan Catoriano. He was the last of the rookie class to kind of finally get some yeah. action. Everybody else has been producing, doing quite a bit on the field, especially near the top of the draft, but also Pierce. So the 2022 crop of rookies, they keep getting back into the fold. And now you're really just lacking Mechie because Deculus is on the active roster, but just on game day, he's been inactive so far. I think the one thing I still want to see is just another back to sort of relieve Damian Pierce of some of his carries. Yes. I love, 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 love seeing him get 139 yards rushing. I, I mean, I, I kind of flinch every time he like does a spin move and makes all these tacklers miss because it'd be nice to spell him some relief. I know Rex Burkhead gets in there, but Dari Gumbawale a few weeks ago, we saw him in the late minutes of what game was it a Raiders, few weeks ago? Raiders. Raiders. Yeah. And I really thought that we, he was going to get more involved. And we haven't really seen much of he him. He did so. a little bit more in the last two games, or one of them anyway. But the thing is, it, you need opportunities, right? You can't just say carries. You have to produce when you get those carries. And I think it's a production thing, right? We could talk about carries all day long. But if you have a carry here, a carry there, it doesn't amount to much. Or you have to punt after a three or four and out or whatever the situation is. I mean, you got to have some extended drives here, and you will be able to give Damian Pierce a little bit of a blow. And Rex Burkhead's been playing well, you know, but you do need more yards from other guys because look where they stand. He's the sixth leading rusher in the NFL, yet the Texans are bottom third in the league in rushing yards. Now, they've dramatically improved over what they were doing last year as a squad that in that category, but they still need to spread it out a little bit more. Not that you want Pierce to have fewer yards or less carries or whatever the ca- case may be. You don't want to wear him out. You want it to be more balanced. Let's see what they can do with it. Yeah, you know, Burkhead, he only had one carry in the last game, and he made it count. Wow. It was a nine-yarder, picked up a first down. It was it was very, very nice. Yeah, keep that going. And I think it's like DP saying, maybe mix in a little bit of Daria Gumawali, see what he can do four or five times a game, perhaps, in addition to, to the high, high volume that you're getting from Pierce. Let's get that going. Because if you're doing that, if you're able to run it that much, you're probably going to win games. It just feels like every drive is a must-score drive. Right. Have to either catch up or hold, you know, keep pace, that kind of thing. And you want Pearson there for those moments. But they just need to figure out a way to just be a little bit more efficient so they can get some other bodies in there. I mean, I like that Davis Mills had three rushes for 18 yards. I There were a couple of plays where he rolled out. 
Yeah. Do a little scrambling with his legs. Maybe a little bit more of that because I think that's what Daniel Jones is doing up there oh, with the Giants. I mean, he's obviously known as being a mobile quarterback, but um, I mean, Davis Mills, when he's on the move. Throwing you know, on the run, he looked good in the he last game. He looks good. Yeah, and his teammates were talking about it, like bringing it up after what happened. And Chris Moore especially was like, yeah, hey, I thought he looked really good. I like what he did. Chris obviously caught that that touchdown on the rollout. So, yes. yeah, keep that, that sort of stuff going. And mm-hmm. we heard a weird stat. Davis was running something like the third fastest rollout speed for a quarterback this year to throw a touchdown. He was going something like 18 miles an hour. Oh my gosh! When he was when he threw that ball, so really, yeah, he was moving when he uncorked it. It was pretty. Uh, he's pretty a good seat. athlete, and when he runs, sometimes when he deliberately runs downfield, it feels like he's hesitating a little bit instead yeah. of just ripping it. But I get it. You don't want to get hurt. You have to protect your body. You know, I was reading this stat about um, Daniel Jones. The Giants are second in the NFL in scrambles. Uh, when Jones pulls the ball down, he's run 30 times in the first eight games. They've got a lot of RPO, read option plays. And, I mean, I think that that might be part of why they've done so well because with him and then Saquon Barkley, I mean, I kind of like that formula. And I feel like Davis Mills, we talked about it, I think, two weeks ago, Mark, about how you – said you like it when he steps up into the pocket sometimes. Yeah. And he did a lot more of that against the Eagles, I felt like. Well, there Is was that him just getting it. comfortable, or are they adjusting things accordingly? Against the Titans, you had pressure up the middle. He couldn't do it as much, right? right? When there are guys like Jeffrey Simmons blasting up the middle, Tier Tart blasting up the middle, or at least crushing the pocket inward, uh, not as much room to step up. So got to find a way to get that done because uh, most quarterbacks need to do that. Pressure from the outside is one thing. You step up, you avoid it, you release the football. If they hit you after that, it's roughing the passer. And they've got Kayvon Thibodeau on the other side, Giants' number five overall pick. Yeah. Which he's been doing pretty well for them this year. I mean, I don't think his stats have reflected as much, but he had a sack a few weeks ago. He brought down Lamar Jackson, so... I mean, somebody I the Texans did a they, lot we, of digging and, and sure. research on yeah. the draft. Yeah. Yes, Nick mm-hmm. mentioned him. We'll have Nick Casario on the show tomorrow. Oh. Texans All Access. Love you as well. Yeah. yeah. All right. Can we talk about the Colts? Because I'm obsessed with last night's press conference, and I think I have gone long enough without mentioning um, how crazy it was. Because I know driving you this morning, Mark and I were texting about. Sean and Seth playing cuts from the press conference. Yeah. None of you guys listened to it. Did any of you guys no, listen I heard, to it live? Yeah, I heard some of it. Okay, I was watching it live like it was musty to me. You did. I was joking that my kids needed dinner, but I was like, no, so hold on. I just want to – I couldn't hear the questions, but I could hear the answers. It was, And that's all you really needed to It hear. was notable that the Colts are definitely thinking out of the box by getting Jeff Saturday. And Mr. Ursay has certainly thought out of the box on this one. And look – Maybe he's right. Maybe Jeff Saturday is going to be great. It just seems strange. Ross Tucker was on with Sean and Seth this morning, and he mentioned it. He he defined it very well. Even he said, now remember at the time he said this about the possible Josh McCown flirtation or whatever, that it might work. You know, he's here for it. Hey, see what happens. He said, but then again, I'm a national media guy, so I just want to see how the experiment goes, right? He's because not he's in the just watching it, it as, as, an, uh, as a viewer. But he brought it up in this context with Jeff Saturday being hired, you know, a guy with no coaching experience at the NFL or college level. And he said, look, if you have the offseason to learn the ropes, to really get into it, that's one thing. If you're dropped in the middle of a season – And he didn't bring this part up, but particularly with your plate caller having been fired the week before, I guess Frank calls the plays, but the other, the coordinator, Uh, Marcus Brady, the week before, the week before, 
you don't have anybody to really call the plays who's ever done it or who has game planned, who's coordinated the offense. You have no offensive coordinator there, in other words. So they'll have to find a way to piece that together because it's certainly not Jeff Saturday doing it. Yeah, Frank Reich, it was three a three, five and one start to the season. Overall, a 40, 33 and one regular season record. Jim Ursay says he's never hired a losing coach, you guys. I don't know about you so guys. Rest easy. But seeing all this, it just continues continues to anger me <laughs> that we had a, a, such a big lead on these guys and the Texans <laughs> lose this lead in week one and tie them. I, I mean, know. Absolutely. Yes. Close them out. How different is this season if that 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 that's a win instead of a tie? It might give you more confidence in other games in similar situations because you've had close games in the fourth quarter. You've had leads in the fourth quarter. You've had ties in the fourth quarter, and you haven't been able to get over the top. Had you prevailed that day, would you feel differently? Would you perform differently in subsequent games? Great question. I don't know the answer to that, but it does irk me and anger me too because it's the Colts and you had a chance to beat them no matter what the situation is. And coming in, they were this model organization. They know how to handle things. Oh, Chris I thought they were going to win the South this year. I, I Frank, totally right. did too. Yeah, I, and I was worried about them. Matt Ryan because that the one thing he did was didn't turn the ball over. Yeah. But that's the one thing he did that eventually got him mm-hmm. benched for the rest of the season, which that was straight. So it was. He gets benched for the yeah. rest of the season. Marcus Brady gets fired. Yeah. Frank Reich gets fired. Yeah. Jeff Saturday. It's just like this past three weeks for the Colts organization. Well, a lot of people thought Chris Ballard might be going too, and he's not. For Jim, now. Jim Ursay, who answered it so eloquently, <laughs> said that he's staying. <laughs> he, said, yeah. do you know, he, said, he said, do you know how many shots Michael eloquently. Jordan has missed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I guess I, well, these are all expressions <laughs> and the sausage being made. These are all expressions that we hear. Not building a spaceship to Mars. It was yeah. just, it was, it was, there was a lot of quartile. stuff happening. Quartile. <laughs> the upper quartile of the upper quartile. My brother was texting me this morning. He was just beside himself. Because he lives there. Because he lives there. And he was, he just wanted them, he said, if they don't beat the Patriots, he goes, I'm going to root for the, the Colts to lose. I'm going to root for the Texans to win because he's like, it's just been too many quarterbacks. But I think this has just got everybody confused because Jeff Saturday taking over, like from ESPN and 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 Ursay said, I goes, I was just so relieved that he was available. That he uh, said, yeah. And I was like, uh, well, where was he gonna be? Yeah. He was on ESPN. Yeah, he was gonna so, be doing television broadcast. That was his guy. He said they actually tried to hire him before as what? An, well, as an offensive line coach, which that makes sense. Absolutely. They but then now to bypass all that and make him what he really him. should be doing is being an assistant offensive line coach and learning what, what the coaching him? life is all about. Because the player life and the coaching life very different. Hours, effort, all of it. Now, effort for players is a different kind of effort. But the coaches put in a gargantuan amount of time. All right, so the Colts do have a play caller against the Raiders on Sunday. It will be. They. they I'm going to get to it after the break. And also, could Dan Orlovsky join the staff as well? He was asked about it. Oh, my it. gosh. Get Stephen A. Smith we, to be I, the I defensive why, coordinator. Why stop there? Why not Peyton Manning? It's all coming up. Texans all access. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Texans All Access. We're discussing the Texans playing the Giants. We're also discussing all the changes in the AFC South, namely the Colts. Uh, They've got uh, some head coaching changes. Jeff Saturday is their interim head coach. They've also got a new play caller, and it's uh, a coach that's on staff. It's Parks Frazier, and he will be calling plays for the Colts, I guess, for the rest of the season, at least for this Sunday, for sure. He played quarterback at Northeast Mississippi Community College and at Murray State. He joined staff as Frank Reich's assistant in 2018. So 
I think the reason why they picked him, if I'm just guessing, is that he helped with like the practice plan, the call sheets, the script. So he sort of knows the process of calling plays in Frank Reich's system. Because if you think about it, no one else on staff called plays. Wait, don't you know his wife? I do. She used to be the team reporter for the Colts. Ah. Then she was a team reporter for the Panthers. But then Parks and Caroline got engaged and got married, and she moved back to Indianapolis. So wait a minute. They started this romance while he was there, and she They were friends because she was actually engaged to someone else. Oh, really? Because when this they— This is far more interesting <laughs> than even so the Colts coaching an HR thing. Violation. I'm just giving her a drama on, like, our Texans radio show. No, it was not an HR violation. He actually drove her to the airport a couple times when she had to see her boyfriend, who— Coincidentally, lived in Houston. Her fiance. This is such a meet cute, right? It's like the perfect meet cute. He drove her to the airport yeah. a couple of times. Yeah, it's the ultimate I got nothing comedy. To, I have nothing better to do as an assistant coach of this franchise than to drive the team reporter to the a- airport to visit her he boyfriend. Was, he was, he he might have been like an like an assistant on staff in the beginning, and then he worked his. Way if I'm the boyfriend in Houston, I'm thinking, who drove you to the airport? Yeah. What's going on? A there? friend. A friend at work. Yeah. A friend uh, at work. Guys, no. No friends allowed. He was a friend at work. Then she took the job with the Panthers. She left the Colts. And that's when he decided to tell her that he had feelings for her. And then they dated long distance for a while. And you know what would make a lot of money? Never what? mind, like hard knocks. This in um, season. as a movie? We need behind the scenes in season. Hard knocks. For the, for like the, business the side ops. story, the side story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's always one. The untold story. They just missed it because uh, that was last year. They were with the Colts. That would have been. Oh, this would have been. No, they outs- were already. They'd already had a baby at this point. That's no, what I'm uh, saying. They just missed it. Oh yeah, but, I mean years. nobody wants. Nobody. I mean the no, interesting they, stuff happened before. But they just missed all this though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This <laughs> would have been so <laughs> cool. All well, the you're Jeff getting Saturday. it for me. Isn't that even no, better? No, but the Jeff Saturday <laughs> stuff. If Hard Knocks was still doing Hard Knocks in season about this. Are you kidding? I don't this would blow up. And think you know, they would want that on camera. No, not your reporter friend. I'm talking about the Jeff Saturday stuff. Oh, they would oh, love this their stuff. Oh, and yeah. you know what else? Stuff. You know who has hard knocks in season right now? The Cardinals. Arizona. And they're starting to melt down. I cannot wait to hey, watch they've it. They've got oh, that's yeah, there's there's no shortage of entertaining stuff. If that's what you want to call it going fights. on out there. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be awesome. Are we going to hear the DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray conversation that happened on the sideline? The or the Cliff day? Kingsbury, Kyler Murray situation that yes. happened before? Yeah. Where oh, DeAndre you know, Hopkins was actually yeah, trying to calm them yeah. both down. And we've seen DeAndre mediate in the past, uh, speci- <laughs> specifically around here. Yeah, with uh, with coaches and with coaches, coaches and fans being upset point, but yeah. at fans. Yes. You know, it'd be a great series as well. Hard Knocks cutting room floor. Oh, the stuff that the, the teams wouldn't let us show you. Years later, after everybody's fired or out of the league, retired, that would be good. I'd watch stuff from 20 years ago when it was the Ravens with Brian Billick. Are you kidding? They must have some great footage. Why Kevin Cooper. That? Kevin Cooper used to be the media relations guru here. Yeah. He always used to brag about he saw the cutting room floor stuff from NFL Films. The day of the Andre Johnson beatdown of Cortland Finnegan. It's like, I mean, why you got to tell us that? Because we can't see it. We're never going to see it. I'd like to see it. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you did Ooh. not see. Andre from Johnson that, that gets fight. inducted into the Hall of Fame and then it comes out. Yes. I don't think it will. I, like the cutting room floor stuff, I doubt. I Somebody's doubt. got it, though, Drew. You know they're not pressing the delete button on that. I hope so. They're not. They better let it out. They've got it somewhere. I, I'm just amazed. All those Hard Knocks production crew members. They're sworn to secrecy. They have to sign NDAs and DNA samples given and the rest of it.
All right. I, I teased it before the break. Dan Orlovsky, will he join the Colts staff? He was asked about it on the Dan Patrick show today. He didn't rule it out. So as we know, Orlovsky and Jeff Saturday worked together at ESPN. So uh, he he sounds like he wants to go into coaching. He just hasn't been asked yet. But he said that he'd had a lot of conversations over the last six weeks with Jeff Saturday. And he goes, now looking back, it seems like it, it all makes sense. Yeah. Jeff Saturday is looking to get in the NFL. They were talking about really detailed conversations about, he said, what was going on in the NFL. And, you know, teams that were doing things well, teams that weren't doing things well, scheme, philosophy, identity, coaching, all that stuff. And, you know, kind of when the news broke, it made a lot more sense why and how we had those conversations. As I shake my head in disgust at all this and still think back to the Texans tying the Colts, so too, (laughs) whenever Dan Orlovsky's name comes up, he was a good solid backup here, third string here, nice guy, good locker room, awesome on TV. But I shake my head in disgust at 2011 at Indianapolis when he played against the Texans and they beat the Texans. It's, uh, I think, what, hap- what happened? First, second play of the game, strip sack, Texans get the ball. Next play, Arian Foster runs in. I think I turned to one of my friends in the press box. I said, well, this is uh, going to be a fun one. We might score half a hundred, you know, in the cheesy yeah. voice. And then, yeah, it did not happen. Well, because once the Texans clinched that year, they lost three in a row on the way out. And the last game, we all know, Yates played just one series or whatever. Right. It was Jake DeLome. But there was still a chance to get a bye that year. There was still a chance to get a bye. Because somebody was asking me today what the best Texans team was ever. And I said, it's that one. That's the best team ever. But people got hurt along the way. Mario Williams, week five. Matt Schaub, week 10. Both of those players survive. Who knows what happens? You You might get a bye, and you might be going somewhere very nice. You think 11 was a better team than 12? Yes. Because the way that 12 started out, the way Matt Schaub was playing in the first, what, five games of the season? I I say that with a healthy Schaub. I think it's a better team. And I think that actually, DP, in the postseason, that 12 team, as they got toward the postseason, was still intact enough to get home field throughout, and they blew it. The 11 team, I know they lost three in a row on the way out, but they had already clinched. Circumstances are different. They go up to Baltimore. They gave Baltimore everything they could handle on defense, but four turnovers on offense. Well, one of them, a muff punt, and three Yates picks. Spelled doom for the Texans. That was a team with 16 Pro Bowlers on it, and it still had Brian Cushing in the postseason. The 12 team did, and he gets hurt week five. They're never the same. Well, they they were pretty good. Don't get me wrong. Well, but he was their team MVP in yeah, 11. Yeah, he was their team MVP in 11, you could say. And also, or was he officially the team MVP? He was they somebody really vote, yeah, that. the team voted in that. And then he was playing like it. Well, playing like it the first five, and then he gets injured. And then he gets injured, and he was a real heart and soul locker room kind of guy in addition to being an outstanding player. And I think that really affected them as they faded down the stretch in 12. Mark, what's the record that you're always waiting to get broken that Matt Schaub said? Is touchdowns. it passing, passing oh, it was 29 touchdowns? touchdown passes, but fi- Watson finally broke that, but not by much. I think it's 31, 32 or whatever. What year was that in 2011? 12. I think it was 2012. Yeah, because he was healthy. It. Yeah. And it but was, it, wasn't any, it, was, it wasn't anything to celebrate at the time because it was such a bad season. 12. Yeah, I mean 20. Oh, 20. Yes, he's a, no, I mean, I'm talking about Matt Schaub. I still can't believe you think that 2011 healthy Schaub is better than 2012 healthy Schaub. I feel like 2012 healthy Schaub had like this edge to him. Well, he's talking he about was the team. playing angry. I'm talking about the whole team, though. I, well, he says with a healthy Schaub. Because, Schaub, trust me, Schaub in 11, when they won four in a row right before he got hurt, 
Tampa was the last game he got hurt in the quarterback sneak situation. Schaub that year during that winning streak, they were tough, man. They beat the Steelers 17 to 10 at home. And then they lose to the Raiders. They get on a roll. They lose to the Raiders, they lose three to the Ravens. Three, and then they peeled yeah. off the seven straight. Yeah, and then they, yeah, seven straight. But four of them, the first four, were Matt Schaub. And they were looking dominant over teams, dominant over Tampa, dom- dominant over Tennessee on the road. Really terrific. And then, obviously, gets hurt, and the rest is history. I mean, I'm just looking at this 2012 schedule. It's like five in a row, loss. Six in a row, loss. Oh, yeah. That win, was fun. Loss, loss. That was fun. The fan base exploded. I mean, yeah. the fan base was on fire in 2012, and then down the stretch, uh, not well, so much. Well, re- I remember watching ESPN. I was just out and about, and and the, this, I think the graphic said, who's the favorite to win the AFC? And Texans were there, and I forget who the other team was, but the Texans were, I mean, they were like nationally everywhere oh, yeah everybody people thought, were like that this is this team is going to go places yeah one a seed decade ago one seed a potential decade ago. Mm-hmm. you know we should bring back the series like uh you know looking back like i always say mark's story time yeah with the texans no we're going to do the uh rewatchables with uh with texans games that's what our series is are you gonna, gonna pick be. specific games yes or yes. and then games say, that i want to talk about because <laughs> that's what's most important. wait who's gonna rewatch them just me. No, uh, we'll all do it. We'll all do it. It's like homework we'll research in the them and then we'll go. Yeah. And then, oh, this is a good off-season project, good project because there's a lot of games that I feel like we won't do it now. We'll do it later. We'll do it later when the season's mm-hmm. over. Maybe there might be a game this season I, I want to so. watch too. I hope we have like five more minimum. Maybe five more that'll be on the rewatchables that we'll mm-hmm. rewatch at the end of the season. All right, let's take a break. We go back. We're gonna go around the league. Some scheduling changes and a brand new destination for an international game. It all gets underway. This weekend, it's coming up Texans All Access. Final segment of Texans All Access. We're going to go around the NFL. Actually, big news today. First flex game of the season. It's going to be week 11. Kansas City Chiefs at the LA Chargers. It's now going to be on Sunday Night Football. The game that got bumped, the Cincinnati Bengals at the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was originally scheduled for Sunday Night Football. So that'll move to the four three the 325 slot on CBS. And then Chiefs Chargers gets bumped into primetime. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, these are two hot teams in the AFC West contending for that division. Chargers lost at Kansas City earlier. Bengals not doing so well. I was really hoping they would beat Cleveland a week and a half ago. Didn't happen. And the Steelers obviously have a really difficult time of it this year with the quarterback situation and everything else they're going through. You know, uh, (laughs) speaking of flex scheduling, my brother-in-law who's from Canada, there's uh, sometimes he'll ask me like NFL questions. And he asked me if Monday night games could get flexed. And I said, no. <laughs> he said the Colts have two more Monday night games. Yeah, they do. Left mm-hmm. this year. And Monday night flexing is a topic. And I believe either they're is heavily it a- exploring it happening, not this year, or it's going to happen for sure. I think I think it's in play. I should check this out, but we'll talk about it is later. The, I guess the, the reason they haven't done it so far is because of people's travel plans a lot of the time. Ooh, they don't, they don't want to jiggle with And those. teams travel plans right. because yeah. you know sometimes it's hard to lock down a hotel. There's a convention in town. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of these cities, you know, it's easy in Vegas, I guess. You can always find enough rooms. But, but moving 200 humans yeah, to a you're, place. Is, you're an indie or, yeah. you know, indie, we've had trouble sometimes booking a room. And when the schedule comes out in May, hard to book a room in Indy in October or November because they're having this convention and that convention. That's convention town. You know, it's mm-hmm. not Vegas, but it's small and they have a lot of action there. Yeah, it's I mean it's the central part of the Midwest, so yep. yeah. All right, so November 28th, it's going to be the Steelers at the Colts. That's going to be a Monday night game. Ugh. And then December 26th, the Chargers at the Colts. And uh they also have a Sunday night game, December 4th. 
Colts at Cowboys, I would imagine that would get flexed out uh, unless mm, it's the Cowboys. Not if it's the Cowboys. Cowboys. Cowboys playing little rodents with helmets yeah. would draw big. <laughs> rodents with helmets. Uh, so three out of four weeks, Colts are right now scheduled to be in prime time. I've got the story, by the way. It's December of 2023. They're going to experiment with Monday Night Football flex scheduling. I guess they feel like that'll mm. give them a good heads up. A month out, like let's say it was now, it was happening this year. You look at those Monday nighters in December, you say, let's see if we can move these. And you go ahead and move them. And yes, it does affect people's travel plans. But what are you going to do? Right? You're looking at TV running the ship here. So you'll take it and people can cancel their plans or whatever or change them. So if it's in December, they'll start, I imagine, flexing November, December. Yeah, I would I would say early November. These are early November changes you'll be going through. You can't bring those two weeks out or something like that. You'll need about four weeks to, to reschedule a Monday night football game, a flex game. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see, especially because as you get later on in the season, some of these teams, like who would have thought the Colts would not be must-see TV with Matt Ryan? What about Thursdays? December? Is that going to happen at some point? That's a real tough flex because you're dealing with two days away, right? Three days. We're going to move this to Sunday instead of having it on a Thursday. And now, guess what? You're playing on Thursday. I don't think you can flex yeah, a Thursday Yeah, I don't think that'll game. happen. I don't yeah. see that. Well, you happen. know, I, I, I was talking to Mark Berman of Fox, who's back in the building now that the World Series is done. And yeah, we were talking about how uh, the Thursday night game got – uh, was played on Channel 20. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. he said, you know, it's still over the airway waves. It's not a cable station. Wait, do you guys want to talk about Channel 20 and reruns again? No. Sure. Okay. We, so, he's, so I asked him, I said, well, what would have happened if you didn't have a sister station? Like, what if there was only Fox? They would have given it to somebody else. You would, But they paid a lot of money for I that know, game. But they would have had to work out an arrangement to put it on CW or one of yeah, the other. Yeah, he said, I, I hate to see what would have happened then. But, you know, maybe it's, it's a point for a later date with World Series and Fox. Getting the games. That, that my know. 20 did us no favors. It did not. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Fox. Well, we the love N- you. The NFL will debut in Germany with Tom Brady in the Bucks, and uh, they're going to be facing the Seattle Seahawks this Sunday at 8.30 Eastern at Alliance Arena in Munich, and that'll be exclusively on NFL Network and NFL Plus. So that's the first game in Germany. I would like to play in Germany. I would love days. to. German Texan. He uh, DM'd me on Instagrams and uh, on the Instagram or on Instagram. On the Instagram. I've just twice uh, <laughs> said the wrong name for Instagram. Anyhow, he was asking, hey, do you know anybody with the, the Buccaneers? I wanted to go see if I could see a practice. I was like, Ooh. I don't know anybody with the with the Bucks, and I don't know that they'd let you in, but it was worth They might. Yeah. They'll let fans in because how many for German- practice? No. Did they do it for us in London? I can't I know, remember. There weren't fans. Maybe not. No. There was like that team, the, uh, the yeah, kids team that was playing, yeah. but that's a different sort yeah, of different setup. Well, they have so many events, and you know, I feel like they'll be out and about greeting people. So maybe they'll get to. You know, I'm happy for him because he came to, and he had a bunch of friends from Germany came to London to see that game. Yeah. And so that's that's got to be awesome getting to see the NFL in Germany. All right. Well, the NFL and the Texans are back at it on Sunday against the Giants. Kickoffs at 12 noon. And uh, that seems like a while since we had a noon game. But coming up next, we've got Texans matchup with John Harris. That's going to do it for Texans All Access. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Continue listening to Texans Radio. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks.